Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, wa nasta'inuhu, wa nasta'gfiruhu, wa nu'minu bihi, wa natawakluhu alayh. Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina, wa min sayyati amalina. Ma yahdihillahu falamudillalah, ma yudlilhu falahadiyalah. Wa nashadu an la ilaha illallah, wa nashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallama tasliman kathiran kathira, amma ba'd. فنعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فقال الله تعالى في القرآن الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اصبروا وصابروا ورابطوا واتقوا الله لعلكم تفلحون صدق الله وليغذين Beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah and thus we say Alhamdulillah Nahmaduhu, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate him. Wanasta'inuhu, we seek his help. Wanastaghfiruhu, we seek his forgiveness. Wanu'minu bihi, wanatawakalu alayh. We believe in him and we trust and rely upon him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and many more, and many more. So mashallah, we have a giant crowd today, which makes it possible for us to have an even more simple than usual khutbah. But a point I want you and I to think about is something that has been in the air as of late, and this is the question of how do we have ethnic relations, how do we have race relations in our community? That we often teach and we often preach that Islam cures the problems of race, Islam cures the problems of ethnocentrism. But then a lot of people will make the point that no, that doesn't happen in practice. And some of the examples we'll use to show that it happens is we'll make reference to Bilal one of the closest of the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him, who was the Mu'addin. If you go throughout the mosques in Turkey, in the place where the Mu'addin, the person who's making the call to prayer to go, you will see his name listed there in honor of him. And then taking a step further, in response, some will say, or some do say that, okay, all that Bilal was permitted to do was give the adhan, whereas you had Abu Bakr and Omar and Uthman who were put in positions of leadership. And so explore how the same stories will be read in different ways. And thus, one of the criticisms we, or another point that we make is look at the story of the pilgrimage of Malcolm X, that he goes on the Hajj. He comes from the Nation of Islam. He leaves the Nation of Islam, which was essentially a black nationalist movement, goes on Hajj, and he meets Muslims of all races. And then he comes back with a very wide view of Islam, different than what he had before. But then criticisms in response, many will say that, okay, that may have been his experience, and alhamdulillah for him that that was his experience, but that is not the experience of many people. That among Arabs, we have a lot of Arab nationalism or Arab supremacy. Among Desis, we have a lot of Arab supremacy. And so once again, same event, but it's read two different ways. And so the question then becomes, how do we address race? Because it's probably fair to say that nobody in this room 
is consciously racist, and it's probably fair to say nobody in this room is unconsciously racist. And understand the difference between those two points. To be consciously racist, actually let me take a step back to explain the difference between bigotry and racism. Bigotry is when you're preferring your own group and someone who is not part of that group, you are, you are subjugating them or you're not giving them the same opportunities you give someone else. Bigotry can go in every single direction. It can be a bigotry of a Desi against an Arab. It could be a bigotry of, a Desi, of an Arab against a Desi, an African-American to a Desi, or a Desi to an African-American. This is bigotry. Anybody can have that. Race is a little bit different because race includes the conversation of power, meaning You'll hear back then from Malcolm X, and you'll hear even today that many will say that someone who is black American cannot be racist. That is correct by the definition of racism. Can someone who's black American be bigoted towards someone who's not black American? Absolutely. But understand the difference between race, racism, and bigotry. Racism has power built into it, the history of power in Western civilization. But the question is, can a Muslim be racist? Can a Muslim who might be ethnically white, ethnically Arab, ethnically Desi be, an, uh, be racist? I would suggest in general in our society, probably not. But in Islamic settings, absolutely, because then we have the question of power again. Shift it to a different conversation, misogyny. When we speak about bigotry, by men against women, or bigotry by women against women. But the point is, in both cases, the victims are women. Is there misogyny in our society? Absolutely. Is there overt misogyny in our society? Absolutely. Is there misogyny in our Muslim community? If I ask the men, will I get the same answer if I ask the women? Think about this. And of course, now many of the women are smiling. So the point to think about is, what is overt misogyny and what is unconscious misogyny? Just like what is overt racism and what is unconscious racism. Overt misogyny is when you have the possibility of males or females for a particular role and you intentionally pick the male thinking the woman can't handle it because she's a woman. But sometimes we make the mistake of subtle misogyny where you don't even realize you're not giving the woman attention, even though you might not think of yourself as a misogynist. And how do you discover this? You have to look at your behavior. Maybe I do all of these things, Allah knows best. And so what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? That when we look at our community, look at what our collective behavior of the community is. And something also happens when you have someone who is a new convert to Islam that when the person first converts, they get all kinds of attention, respect, love, advice. But after a week, after a few weeks, then everybody forgets about them. Because what happens is that we fall into our usual routines. And then what will happen is you'll have the convert standing here, and you'll have the entire crowd of people who are lifers, meaning people who've been raised as Muslims, standing over there. So put all these points together. What is the recurring theme Again, I'm not saying, I'm suggesting that I don't think anybody in this room is a conscious racist. I don't think anyone this is room, in this room is a, constant, uh, a conscious misogynist, but we might, as virtue of our actions, illustrate bigotry.
and not realize it. We might, in virtue of our actions, illustrate misogyny and not realize it. And we might have chauvinism against converts and might not realize it. But what is the common thread? The common thread is when you stay within your little circle. Okay. Look at your circle of friends, the people with whom you are comfortable, the people with whom you like to relax, the people with whom you like to tell your jokes. Okay. And do you reach out to bring other people in? Is think of all the possible complaints of this nature that I've received over the course of the year. Race, gender, converts. We also have another issue. Suppose you have someone who's raised overseas and then comes here for college. And everyone here who's here for college is friends with the people that have similar backgrounds, life experiences, but then the person who's raised overseas feels isolated. How do I become friends with people? How do I get people to interact with me? People are inviting everyone else, they're not inviting me. It's the same problem, that we remain within our circles. And then what happens is that we have the core of the Muslim population, which is all these cliques, all these groups of people who are hanging out together. And then the outside, you have all these other people who are solitary, who feel like they're left out. Some of it is the responsibility of the individual, that the individual has to reach out. But that only works if that's your personality. If you're an introvert, you're not going to reach out. You're not going to feel comfortable reaching out. And what am I saying? More of it is your and my responsibility. That if you see a Muslim who is by themselves, the responsibility is on you to bring them in. Otherwise, all of our rhetoric all of our Malcolm X quotes on Facebook are nothing but hypocrisy. Okay. Now, there's another side to it. You may reach out, but you may not reach out to them in the way they want to hear it. And then they might push back further or pull away further. Then it gets a little bit more difficult because sometimes there's anger that is part of the, the situation. Sometimes the person themselves has already passed judgment on everyone else. But what am I saying? You and I have the burden of reaching out to everyone else. It's a very, very simple point. But this is what makes the Muslim community tight. Because so many times there will be people who will enter the musalla. Now for you and I, entering the Muslim prayer space doesn't take any bravery. Okay? We just go, we pray, most of you guys just sleep, but the point is that you go in there. Okay, nobody cleans. But the point is that people enter the musalla. I don't even want to know what your bedrooms are like. But the point is that throughout the entire school year, you will have people who might be interested in learning about Islam. Okay. And it takes a lot of bravery to be able to open the door to enter the musalla, because you don't know what's on the other side. And then someone might have enough bravery to walk through but then nobody talks to them. And they don't know how to address the people in the room. And maybe they'll say, maybe they'll sit, and then they might be there for an hour and no one will talk to them, except maybe a greeting. And then, then they leave and they don't come back. I can tell you example after example after example of this in our own musallah. And those are examples from people who have had the bravery to walk into the musallah, into the prayer space, 
didn't get much uh, reception, and then at some point they still reached out to me. But I don't know how many people went, entered, and they gave up after that point. And then what to think about people who've come to any of our Islamic centers throughout the city. I've met many, many people over the course of the years who've told me that they went into their local Islamic center to learn. Maybe they were interested in Islam and the door was locked or they walked in, people were abrasive to them and so they didn't want to come back. Okay. And this is the tough part because it might just be that one person who has ruined everything for this person who's walking in. That is up to Allah. This is what's fascinating about Malcolm X's Hajj. Because talk to everyone who's gone on Hajj, talk to 10 people, you'll, talk to, you'll hear 10 different experiences. Some people will come back with the most amazing experience, some people will feel like everybody was rude along the way, and there's a whole conversation related to what happens in your heart and how you receive things, but the way it played out for Malcolm X is that each person he met along the way was literally the perfect person for him. Okay. But sometimes it's God's will that if I'm looking to see if I can get closer to the divine through Islam, that Allah might put what looks to be a roadblock in my way, but it's not to prevent me from getting closer. It's a roadblock for me to go around. But that only works if a person understands that. So I'm giving you one simple obligation. Before you leave this room, make sure you've met everyone who is here in the room with you. Okay. I'd like to make it a second one, but that might be asking too much, and that is every time you're in the musalla, if there's someone there that you don't know, introduce yourself and get to know them, even if you're an introvert. Okay. And let's look at it this way. Let's admit not all of us who are sitting in this room, well, I'm sure all of you are, are honest about your biology exams. Maybe you can find someone else to cheat from. No, 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 no. The point I'm making, my beloved brothers and sisters, there are secular benefits also to getting to know other people. If that's what it takes for your heart to open up, that maybe you can meet someone who can connect you to something else. But more than that, this is our deen. So what am I saying? What is the per uh, perception you give of Islam to other people? Now let us take a moment and ask Allah for forgiveness. Wa akhir da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. So one side of how we present Islam is how we conduct ourselves with strangers. Okay? We all know the theory that you're supposed to be generous and hospitable and friendly and smile because a smile is charity. And once again, nobody is smiling. But the point I'm making, my beloved brothers and sisters, is that we keep preaching this over and over again. Okay, maybe Anis is smiling, Abdul Qadir is smiling, Rami is always smiling, mashallah. Okay, but the point I'm making, my beloved brothers and sisters, another side of it is what do we do with our tongues. And this brings me back to these same points, whether we're talking about race or misogyny, or even how Sunnis are speaking about Shias, that what do you say with your tongue? You use words like N-I-G-G-A, okay, thinking that it's cool. That's one of the most offensive words you could possibly say. 
And these are things that people say in the musalla. Okay? Or anti-Shia jokes. Okay? Or what are the terms that you gentlemen, not necessarily you, but people that you know, uh, use in referring to women? Okay? Like H-O-E jabi. Okay? Terms like this, my beloved brothers and sisters. That on the one hand, there's the issue of reaching out, but on the other hand, every week, I have to mention control of our tongues. And this is not only the brothers. The brothers are not the only masters of gossip in this room, in terms of genders. What am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? Another way to drive people away is with a loose tongue. That's even easier. And this is something that I mention all the time that I have to be careful of, as Rami can tell you, as Anise can tell you, that when I'm in class, you know, there's no holds barred in making fun of students. And sometimes I do go too far. I know it's hard to believe, but yes. Okay. I mean, mashallah, Anis is still coming to Juma after how many jokes I've made about him. Mashallah, he's probably happy that I, anyway. Anyway, so the point I'm making, my beloved <laughs> brothers and sisters, is that we also have to be aware of what our tongues are shooting out. Are your tongues shooting out arrows at other people without you even realizing it? Okay. Or are you... Are your tongues sending out balloons without you even realizing? What is it that the message that you're giving? Okay. And it's the same point I make in every single khutbah. Look at what is changing about yourself in your relationship with Allah. Look at, what is, look at what is changing about your relationships with others before we talk about what's happening in our society. So the fact of the matter is that bigotry is a reality in our community. Misogyny is a, is a reality in our community. Sectarian Chauvinism is a reality in our community. Okay? But you and I are the ones that have the strength. And you're all looking there. I did not make fun of them. They're not leaving because they're offended, inshallah. But the point I'm making is that you and I are also the ones who can provide the cure. Okay? So when you hear your friends using inappropriate terms, stop them. Okay? If you don't have the bravery to stop them, then they're not really your friends. They're just people who make you feel like you're cool. And if you want to feel like you're cool, just come to my office, inshallah. So very, very simple khutbah. Now let us take a moment and remember what Allah Ta'ala says. It's probably inappropriate for me to call him the coolest person ever to live. But about the Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi. Ya ayyuhallathina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Oh Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon his family and upon his companions and extend the blessings and peace upon them. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar. Our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, our trainer grant us the best of this life and the best of the hereafter and protect us from the fire. O turner of hearts, turn our hearts to your obedience. And if we have any rancor against any of our brothers and sisters, please guide us to wash it out of our hearts. And please increase us in obedience to you. And please give us pleasure in the increase in obedience to you. And please be pleased with us. Subhana rabbika rabbil yasifun. والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين قيم الصلاة.